The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you by The Skinny Confidential. How fun. Okay, if you've not tried shaving your face, you gotta try it. I've been doing it since I was in high school and I wanted to create a razor that did everything that I wanted it to do. One that I could reuse because I was sick of throwing away those cheapo razors. I wanted to create one that had refillable blades. So that's exactly what I set out to do with my team. And then, of course, we have a little thumbprint area, just like the ice roller. It's thick. It's silicone. It looks insane on your vanity. And it has refillable blades. If you're not on board with shaving your face, you got to try it, okay? So men, they age a lot slower than women. And that's because they're constantly exfoliating their face with a razor. So what I like to do is I like to shave my entire face. You can go to my Instagram stories under razor and you can see exactly what I mean. I obviously don't shave my eyebrows or my nose really, but I shave my cheeks, my chin. I even shave above my upper lip and a little bit on my forehead. And it just allows your skincare products to penetrate deeper. Your makeup looks glowier and you're exfoliated. It's so youthful. We have a code for you. Of course, it's pink ice queen in all caps. That is pink ice queen for 15% off the entire TSC website. This excludes bundles. We don't do a lot of discounts, but we're doing one today. That is Pink Ice Queen for 15% off. ShopSkinnyConfidential.com. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential. Him and her. Aha. The way they film it is like you do something, you're at a party, people are nice, people are not nice, whatever. And then you watch that three months later. So then you watch that after someone was just nice, nice to you, they went to a table over here and talked shit about you. And you're watching that three months later and you're like, damn, I didn't know she said that. You know what I mean? If you know me, you know I am a huge housewife fan. Huge. And I'm a huge fan of this guest today. And that is Tiffany Moon. She is an MD. She is a mother, a wife, an entrepreneur, an anesthesiologist, and a TV personality. She was on Real Housewives of Dallas. She is iconic in every way. We are going to talk about how she was born in a small town just outside of Beijing, China. We're going to talk about her childhood. We're going to talk about gerbils up the ass. (laughs) Don't ask. You got to listen to this episode. We're going to talk about what it's like to be an anesthesiologist and, of course, housewives, all the juice. We go everywhere in this episode. Taylor, our producer, actually texted me and said this is one of his favorite episodes that he's listened to this year because it's a medley. It's like a big bag of checks mix. You don't know what you're going to get in this episode. With that, let's welcome Tiffany Moon, a board certified anesthesiologist who practices in Dallas, Texas. She's a mom, an entrepreneur, and she has the brand Aromastesia, which is a candle company. And my God, do they smell good. On that note, Tiffany, welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her podcast. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. You were telling me that oxytocin is the hormone of orgasms. When you have an orgasm, your body releases oxytocin. Also, when you breastfeed, it's it's the feel-good hormone. I don't feel like I felt like that (laughs) breastfeeding. 
Why am I the only person that doesn't feel like that? No, no, no. Like, I thought breastfeeding was going to be this magical thing where I bonded with my baby and, like, you know, a song came on. And I was like, ow, that hurts. Like, what are you doing? And they wouldn't latch. And then I tried to do two at the same time, like one on each teat. And that was not fun. And So one would go on and one would pop off. And then I'd sit down and my husband would have to come hand them to me. And then I was crying and they were crying. And then my husband's like, what the fuck do I do? Husband's crying. <laughs> my husband's crying. That's a lot of work to have two sucking on each boob. Like that's yes. a lot. Yeah. Is yeah. that overwhelming to have two at once? I don't know any different. Like I've never had one. So huh. I don't, do you know what I mean? It's that, like when people ask sense. you if you like your college and you're like, I don't know. I didn't go to any other colleges. I, this is the only experience that I've had. I imagine that having one baby would be easier. I imagine that I wouldn't have stretch marks if I didn't grow, you know, 60 pounds. I'm also blessed because now I'm done. I know. That's, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Well, you're going to be done too, maybe. That's what uh, we were talking to Dr. Gadir on this podcast, who's like a fertility expert. And he's like, if you ever have more, just like do it with twins and just oh. be done. And and I, that does like kind of like, oh, that sounds kind of nice. Yeah. But also like I had preterm contractions and was on hospital bed rest for six weeks. So like be Ugh. careful what you wish for. You were, you had to sit still for six weeks. Uh-huh. I was allowed to get up and use the best, uh, the rest. Room. So it wasn't strict bed rest. It was called modified bed rest. So your husband had to bring you everything in bed. Like he didn't do anything. I had a caretaker. He hired someone because <laughs> he still had to go though. to work. Don't get any fucking ideas. He was like, here's $30 an hour. Give her whatever she wants. I got to go to work. <laughs> Wait, so so you literally could not get up unless you had to go to the bathroom. Correct. What about like bathing? I was allowed one shower a day for like 10 or 15 minutes. Did that make you depressed? No, I shopped online a lot and my assistant would open packages while I laid in bed. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot I ordered that. Like baby clothes and skincare. And we watched Breaking Bad. We binged all of Breaking Bad while I was on uh, bed rest. And then my husband came home and was like, should you be watching such violent, explicit material? And I, I gave him this look and he was like, as you were, honey. Uh, exactly. As you were, honey, or yes, dear. <laughs> That's all I want to hear from Michael Bostick this whole pregnancy. It's so easy. It's like literally a formula. <sighs> Just keep it yes, dear. Yes. Okay, so uh, the reason that I ask about the bed rest thing is because you're an overachiever and we're going to get into it. <laughs> for you to be sitting in bed for six weeks seems like it's either I feel like a great break for you or it would be really hard for you because you're so used to doing so much. It was miserable, except that I had a paid companion with me and it was our goal to finish Breaking Bad. And also we shopped online a lot and I earned an extra board certification in my medical specialty <laughs> while That's I, what I was looking for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew there was something I there. went to the testing center in a wheelchair. Okay. The, to take the I, test. Listen, I was trying to get it out of you. I'm like, but, uh, but what? There was something in there. The lady at the testing center who checks your ID to make sure that it's you before she lets you into the testing room. She was like, honey, you better not go into labor today because I do not want all that drama up in here. And I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay, so I want to go back to your childhood on Housewives. I'm a huge Housewives fan. I've dissected like every single show. Oh I've gosh. watched your whole season. On the season, you open up about your childhood and how I believe you you immigrated here. Correct? Yeah, at the age of six. At the age of six. Okay, so let's go back before six. Where were you living? Beijing. 
Wow. With my grand, well, with my parents until I was three, but I don't remember, right? You don't remember zero to three. And then my parents came to America when I was three and left me with my mom's mom and dad, my grandparents. So all I remember growing up is being in China with my grandparents. And they came out here just to, they wanted to see like, okay, let's see if we can go make a life out here. And then eventually if we can, then. Exactly. Michael and I went to Beijing. Uh huh. It's such a culture shock. Have yeah. you been like back? Oh, we used to go back all the time because my grandparents still lived there, but now they have passed away. So we don't really have a reason to go back. Would you take your twins? Um, when they're a little older, yes, because the jet lag is a bitch. It's like exactly opposite. And it it's is a bitch. Terrible. So until it's okay to like give Ambien to your kids, I'm not going to take them to China because I, I can't even deal with the jet lag. And, you know, now I'm asking a seven-year-old to deal with the 13-hour time difference. It's crazy. They need to invent something for that. So so when you came here, do you remember being here at six years old in America? Mm-hmm. And where were you? I went from Beijing to JFK. We lived in New York, Queens. I mean, that's a big difference. It was a big difference. And all I had ever known was hanging out with my grandparents. I was about to start school in China, but I never actually did. And then they put me on a plane with a flight attendant because my gra- we were so poor, they couldn't come with me. And only I had a visa anyway to come to America. So I got put on a plane by myself with a flight attendant who was supervising me and then landed at JFK and like met my parents. But I didn't know who they were. Like, I knew they were my parents, but I don't know these people. Because it was th- it was a three-year gap. Yeah, and there was no FaceTime back then. This is wow. the 80s. I was like, yeah, these people send a picture from America once in a while. Like, they're my mom and dad. But, like, I slept in a bed with my grandmother in China, like, in a one-bedroom apartment. They were my only friends. Like, I didn't want to go to America. I was like, forget America. Like, I want to stay here with Grammy, you know? <laughs> Do you remember be- being scared? Yeah. That had to be tough. Like, I think the flight attendant literally had to, like, pry me off my grandmother to get on the plane. And that was also my first plane ride ever. And do you do you remember being on the plane? Like, you actually remember it? I remember because she offered me Coca-Cola, which in China was, like, on my birthday, I got a Coca-Cola. And on the plane, she just kept giving it to me. And I, it was free. And I must have drank, like, 14 Coca-Colas on She's that. She's like, welcome <laughs> to America. Processed food and Coca-Cola. Yes, all the snacks and Coca-Cola. Like, I met my parents, and I was like, I have to pee. <laughs> So when you meet your parents, do you actually remember like like being there, what it was like to come to their house? Like, do you remember that year of your life when you came from China? I do. I remember it. But to be honest, it was kind of terrible. Like, I didn't know who they were. I didn't know English. They put me in first grade. I knew no, no English. They were working because we were poor. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment. They had the bedroom, and I slept on a full-size mattress on the floor, like no bed frame. Like, it was just a mattress that someone had, like, given to them. And that's how it was. And I went to school. And your only child. I, I was until I was 11. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So basically. You, so when you don't know English and you go to a school. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't think that I, I really wanted to have you on this podcast because the moment with your mom, like it's like that seems like really intense to go to a school and not know the language. Yeah. And and my mom and I, sadly, we never really got close. Like, I want to be besties with my daughters. Like, when they go to college, I want them to call me every day, tell me how class was, tell me about the boys that they're dating, like all that stuff. My mother and I, we barely know each other. 
Still to this day? It's so weird. Still to this day. And I, I love my mother. I would do anything for her, but I barely know her. Do you think it's the way that like our parents grew up that that ha- like that that happens where you feel like you don't know them like maybe she didn't know her mom. Yeah. I mean it's like a cultural thing. Yeah. And we sure as hell don't talk about feelings. Like all that stuff that happened on housewives and when she, we had this dumpling party and and my mom told me that she was proud of me and I sort of broke down and then she sort of broke down. People were like, "Wow, you're a really good actress." And I'm like, "No, no, honey. Like that was real." They were like, "Certainly that was not the first time that your mother told you that she loved you and that she was proud of you." And I'm like, "I'm pretty sure it was." Or I wouldn't have cried like that. Yeah, it's. A, I think it is a culture that we were talking before. Like, you know, obviously I didn't immigrate here, but I'm now for the first time learning way more about my grandmother and her side of the family than I ever did when I was a child. And I'm 35 years old now, and I'm like, and 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 I have to pry the information out of relatives and friends and elderly people that kind of knew. And it's like this whole, it's this whole weird expose where I got to like put all these pieces together to kind of like figure out who somebody really was. And I've known him my whole life. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it's exactly like that. So I feel like just now I'm starting to get to the point where my I'm starting to get to know my own mother. And it's sort of through the lens of my children. Because I, I say this, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, but my mother is a much better grandmother to my daughters than she was a mother to me. Because when I was young, she wasn't around because she was working her ass off trying to make ends meet. We were trying to get groceries on the table. That's interesting that you say your your mother's a better grandmother than she was a mom to me. But maybe maybe that's sometimes I feel like how it's supposed to be if you don't have a good relationship with your parents. So you can sort of fall in love with your parents again, seeing that side of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like when I see her interacting with my children, when she comes over and my children are so excited to see her and make signs for her, like we love you, Grammy, all this stuff. Like it makes me understand and know her better. I'm going to let everyone in on a little secret that I have been doing with the Skinny Confidential team, and it is called Issue. If you have a business or a brand, you got to hear this. You're going to take it to the next level. Your online presence is going to be absolutely magical because Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content. Through this, you can make super interactive flipbooks, you can make social media posts, or you can use it for what we use it for, and that is GIFs. So you know on Instagram when you do stories and you swipe up and it says GIFs, you can create your own personalized GIFs for your brand or for your business through issue. I think this is absolutely genius and it's just another way to brand. So it helps anyone who really wants to optimize their content. If you're a creator, if you're a designer, if you're a marketer, you have to check this out. You can start using Issue for free, which is amazing. And they also offer premium features that give you a more customized experience. Our team has the premium features, but feel free to get started with Issue today for free. Or if you sign up for an annual premium account, you get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code skinny. That's I-S-S-U-U.com slash podcast and use promo code skinny at checkout for a free account. That's I-S-S-U-U.com slash podcast and use promo code skinny at checkout for a free account. Or again, 50% off your annual premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code skinny. I think this is so random, but okay. There's this thing on Instagram that I saw where you can, I told Michael to do this with his parents too, 
where you can buy this book and it's 150 pages. But before you buy the book, they send questions to your parents and your parents have to do this Q&A. Yeah. And they fill this out and then it goes into this beautiful book, like a biography of your parents and you're able to learn more about them. I think it's called Storybook. No, it's called Story Worth. Story Worth. And I paid the money. Oh my God, you did And I asked my mother before I paid the whatever $99 if she would fill these out. And she said, yes, she has never filled out a single question. For your birthday, (laughs) can you ask her to fill it out? I will ask her again, but I feel like it's, she, she, there's like some, like maybe she doesn't want to answer it. Maybe she doesn't want to answer it. Yeah. Maybe there's things that she doesn't like, she wants to suppress. I I think. Especially that, because again, common ground, like immigrating here, like that generation went through a lot of hard stuff. There's a lot of like hard life that they went through to get over here. Right. And so like maybe some of that is is hard to go and, you know, recollect. Maybe, maybe there's something that she just doesn't want to talk about. You all, it's almost like you have, as you get older with your parents, and I tried to do this with my parents, is you have to come from a place of empathy. Yeah. Or else you'll just go crazy and you'll take it personally. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they're clearly your parents' intention was to come here and try to build a better life for your family and for you. Yes, yes. And don't get me wrong. Like what I say is like, I owe everything to my parents because if they had not had the fortitude to come to America when they actually didn't know the language either. And, you know, me dealing with racism, God, what were they dealing with in the 80s? You know, my dad was here on a student visa and washing dishes in the back of a Chinese restaurant for $2 an hour being paid under the table because you're not supposed to work on a student visa. You know, like what kind of racism did they deal with? Like, I want to learn from their experiences, but I think they don't want to talk about that. So maybe we shouldn't talk about it because maybe that'll bring up a lot of negative feelings for them. It's good though. I think that this generation is talking about it. Right. Like, I think that that's going to be so helpful for the next generation to be able to just normalize talking about things like this. Yeah. How did you experience racism when you were little? Oh my gosh. I started first grade not knowing any English. We didn't live in the best neighborhood. So, you know, of course, kids would do the slanty eye thing and call me Chinky Chong. And um, a kid was, I guess, um, like dared by another kid to cut my hair because I always had like long, black, straight hair like silk. And so this guy came up to me at recess with a pair of scissors because his friend like dared him and just cut like cut a snip, like just enough to where it looked crazy, right? I wore glasses because I was a huge dork. One time they fell on the floor and instead of like picking them up and giving them to me, somebody actually just like stomped on them, like on purpose. Kids are assholes. <laughs> this makes me emotional because having a daughter, I feel I feel like too, you have to teach your kids like as a parent. Oh yeah. My, if anybody wrong. does that to my daughter, I'm going to go to the house. He's and, crying. <laughs> I'm, gonna go to, I'm just going to go to the parents' house and beat up the dad. No, I know. Like, you know you what? Gotta t- you gotta I teach know. A kid better. I'm going to actually say, you know what's almost just as worse is is someone doing that to your daughter is your daughter doing that to someone. Yeah. That's almost worse. Yeah, no, I, I think like, yeah, if there's going to be some harsh parenting if, I, if any of our kids ever bully anybody. Yeah. I, mean, I think times have changed. I hope that our children are are not like that. But this, the sadder thing, honestly, is when I came home and told my parents like, oh, the kids make fun of me at recess. No one plays with me, all that stuff. You know, if it was me, I'd be up in the principal's office like having a talk with the superintendent. What my parents said to me is, 
they're just words, honey. People can't hurt you with just ignore them. Focus on your studies, like make straight A's. That'll show them that you're not a loser. Like, you know, they never really stood up for me or themselves. And and at the time, I didn't understand, but I think they were probably dealing with it too. They were probably scared and they were probably dealing with it and they probably didn't have the tools. Right. And now we we speak up, you know, and we even speak up on behalf of others. But back then, we just kept our head down and tried not to make a fuss. I almost, I do agree with you that it is getting better in person, but it seems like with TikTok especially, it is so gnarly. Like TikTok, people will just say whatever, whatever they want. I mean, I can't even believe some of the things these kids say. I don't know if if they're kids or adults. I don't know, you know, with the age of the person leaving the comment, but I made a cute one that was like ways to tell you're at an Asian house. And I was like, you have to take off your shoes at the door, you know, all this stuff. And then somebody was like, and they serve bat like for dinner or, you know, like that was the comment. And I was like, block, delete. You know, I actually now have hired someone to be my blocker and deleter. So I don't even see a lot of those comments anymore. That is so smart. So you have someone who goes in that you just don't even have to see the negative. Yes, ma'am. It's yes, like, ma'am. get it out of my ether. I, I just, you know, I, I mean, is it unrealistic? Maybe, but it's also stuff that no one would actually say, I hope not, in my to my face. So my assistant, part of her job that was listed in her job description is to filter social media comments. So I don't get the troll hate. I don't blame you at all. The way I look at it is my social media is like a house. If you're going to come into my house and kick your fucking feet up on my white couch with dirt all over your boots, you're going to get kicked out. Right. And the same with social media. I don't want your negative vibes in my community, in my space around my friends, around my family. Get the fuck out of here. Like, bye. Exactly. Yeah, our opinion on this is like, you know, people like live in a time where they think everybody's opinion is valid and valued. And I just don't agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that some people's opinion should be completely discounted and completely unvalued, especially if their intention is in in the wrong place. And you have all these people online trying to like toe the line to appease these people. I'm like, listen, if someone's a fucking asshole, they're an asshole. Like, get them out of your face. Yeah. Right. But there's, I grew up in a time when Unfortunately, there's bullies, but I also had the attitude like if there's a bully, like my dad taught me this from a young age, maybe it's not kosher now, but he's like, you walk up to that bully, you hit that guy right in the nose as hard as you can. And what it did when I was a kid is like, it it maybe caused some other issues other places. But as soon as that happened, all the other bullies kind of went away. They kind of stopped, right? And that doesn't happen anymore. It's like we we let the bullies get away with things we would have never let them get away with in the past. Well, these bullies are hiding behind a screen name from God knows where, sitting on their ass, eating cereal for lunch. You know, I'm like, show your face. Show your name. Come say that shit to my face. And don't have live, laugh, love, dance in your fucking bio. Oh my gosh. Or a Bible verse. Those are the worst. Then they make the meanest comments. Michael got a great, great DM the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Just lay it out there. Michael said, uh, (laughs) this DM said, Show us your genitals. It's what the people want. <laughs> hey, oh, that one actually didn't. I actually was flattered by that. I didn't and then just, he went to the bio and it said like it was a a mother of two, and the account was like all about her children. I'm like, listen, I don't know if these kids know what mommy's up to online. Uh, yeah, this, this is, 
You about to have another brother or sister? No, I'm just. That's what mommy's you know trolling. What? I take after. that as a troll. You, no, right. you, that's you, not bad. That's gonna turn you I mean, on. But then again, I guess like if I, you, you know, if the roles were reversed, like if a guy's doing that, that's to a woman, that's very. I've aggressive. got a couple of veiny penises. Oh, I get dick pics in my yeah. DMs, but now I don't see them anymore. But my assistant, she's like, I'm, I'm like, how many dick pics did we get this week? And she's like, only four. Tell her to screenshot them and do a swipe right. Oh, I'm. We're gonna out them soon. We're just gonna story them because I'm tired of people. We'll, we'll post it. Are saying so? What'd you do at work today, honey? He's like, well, I just I got rid of about four dick pics. My her, favorite, her parents know. Creative dick pic that I got was a guy was fucking a dildo. <laughs> uh, um, he had the dildo upright on the bathtub edge, and he was fucking it with his asshole and <laughs> masturbating at the same time. And I thought, you know what? Props to this creativity. This is like a Kanye West of like dick pics. Thank yeah. you. Really encourage this, Lauren. If I had a dollar for every um, household object that someone has accidentally fallen on and come to the emergency room because it was stuck, you know, I wouldn't have to be working on this candle business so hard. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I, I was going to get to this this part because I have some questions before this. But mm-hmm. first, I have to hear what are what's what are some things they mm. fell on? Mm. Flashlight up their ass. Yes. Always boys. Well, no, there was one girl. Uh, D size batteries like the big ones. But they're short. Does, I was like, what were you doing with that? that? Isn't that dangerous? Doesn't the water affect the battery? I have no clue. OK. A Barbie all the way, like almost to her knees. So pretty far in. Oh. You know, because he was like, I thought I was going to be able to pull it out. But then her arms got stuck. Like, well, do you know what I'm saying? Like, are you? That's why babies come out head first. It's like an arrow. Yeah. So we had to extract it from his anus. That's not a collector's item anymore. No, no. Gerbil. I've heard gerbil. I've no animals. No, no snakes, no gerbils, no eels. I don't know how. Eels? I don't know. I don't know. I've heard. This is what I've heard straight from the source. My friend who does surgery told me that gerbils are super popular because when gerbils go up your ass, they seize. And the seize makes the vibration super strong. And so they go up and down, up and down, like almost like, you know, those toys that you wind up on the side. Yeah. And so the gerbil is like the most popular because the seizure is like a particular seizure. Oh, my I'm calling God. Pete on these people. Yeah. No, I've not taken any animals out of people, but lots of household objects that they inadvertently fell onto. Do you guys say like you didn't fall? I don't say shit because I'm just an anesthesiologist. I'm just there to give a general anesthetic because they need to be fully paralyzed and relaxed so that the surgeon can retrieve the object and then it has to be sent to pathology because the rule is that any thing that comes out of a human has to be sent to pathology so one guy like cussed us out in the recovery room because apparently that dildo was kind of expensive and we wouldn't give it back to him so i got cussed out in the recovery room I feel like he shouldn't use that dildo again if it got stuck up his ass because you don't want it to happen again I, I don't know. People don't learn from their mistakes, right? Oof, if, that's a good this would be the last of my concerns if I was there <laughs> for that circumstance. If I, I wouldn't be like, hold on, I need to get that back. I'd be like, I need to get out of here and never come back and move. So I I'm, know. I'm moving out of the country after this. I know. If you get a Barbie stuck up your ass, I'm going to send you to Tiffany. There's absolutely no way that's happening unless I'm under anesthesia. I mean, they always say that there was the girlfriend that put it up there. And I'm like, uh, well, where is she now? How come she didn't come with you to the hospital? That's a she lie. must not love you that much. That's a lie. That's a lie. Try you a put it up next there time. I mean, you know, like the, a gerbil's <laughs> oh better than a Barbie. God. Maybe not because it's life. How did we get here? Uh, okay. <laughs> so, We've devolved. <laughs> so, so you're growing up. 
how much pressure was put on you? And you kind of talked about this on the show for getting good grades, becoming an anesthesiologist. Like, was that a precedent that you had to hit or was there no pressure? Oh, it was all pressure. Like my parents would literally get pissed off if I brought a 98 home like that. That stereotype like came from my father. He'd be like, well, what'd you miss? And then I would show him the test, you know, because they would mark it. I mean, you'd have a piece of paper and then whatever that was, if it was subtraction, long division, whatever, you know, thing, he would then make me do like 10 pages of it. And he's like, well, next time you're not going to miss it because you're going to do 10 pages of it so that next time that that kind of problem comes around, you'll know the correct answer. So I was punished if with anything that I did wrong. I had to read extra books, write book reports. They they told me your English has to be perfect. Like you cannot bring home anything less than an A ever. So what would your parents do if you came home and you said, I want to be an actress? I have no idea because I would never do that. I never, I didn't try. It wasn't even in the cards for you to say anything like that. It was doctor or lawyer. Pick one. That's it. That's it. And I don't know because I didn't test to, I didn't try to, you know, I never brought home a B. When you were little, did you ever think of anything else you wanted to be or was it not even in your ether? It wasn't even in my ether. Like it never even occurred to me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's all I knew. Like they, you know, it's like when you grow up in a cult, I mean, not that my parents are a cult, but do you know what I'm saying? Like you don't know any different. And then we would go to church and all the Chinese aunties would always praise my mom and dad and be like, oh, Tiffany's so smart and so obedient. Like, you know, and and then I would just smile. And that was the only time I was ever really praised. And so then it became reinforcing. Like I, I'm obedient and smart. I'm obedient and smart. So then I would be obedient and smart because that's all I had. At what point, how old were you when you started to realize, wait, I, I can do other things. I can be multifaceted and wear pink and beautiful <laughs> eyelashes. And like, I mean, you're gorgeous. Like I can also tap into like, my vanity side, but I also can be fun and have tequila. And I also can be an anesthesiologist. Probably right around the time that I started filming for Housewives. <laughs> 35, um, to be exact. I think in my early 30s, I'm, I'm not kidding, is when I kind of figured out like, wait, I don't just have to be smart and obedient. I went to college early. I graduated from Cornell when I was 19 years old. Went Stop. to medical school. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Whoa. Stop. Like, I did I all knew the that. things. I, I remember that from the show now that you just said that. Wait. First of all, how did you graduate early from high school? You just got straight A's and they were like, you should graduate early and go to Corn- Cornell? I had no friends. I read all the time. I took advanced calculus as a freshman. And my high school was like, we don't have any more classes for you to go to. <laughs> like go to college, bitch. Like, we don't. Are your parents proud at this point? My dad couldn't even be bothered to come to my Cornell graduation because he was like, it's just undergrad. I'll come to your medical school one. (laughs) Holy shit. He didn't come to graduation. Hold on. Where is Cornell? In Ithaca, New York, upstate. So when you're graduating early from high school, he's in Dallas. He's in Dallas. Were you living at At the store? Yeah. And are you partying? Are you just working on class? You were young then, huh? I was young. I was 19 when I graduated. But, you know, I had a sorority sister and she sort of looked like me. And so I, she pretended that she lost her ID and got a replacement and gave me her old one. So I had her 
address memorized, her birthday. She's an Aries. I'm a Leo. I was her. I embodied her and I used her ID to get into clubs. Her name was Jessica. So when that's my alter ego. When you're this smart, this young, I, I've actually wondered this before. Is it natural? Is it practice? Is it a mixture? Is it execution? What to be that smart to graduate Cornell at 19? Like, what is the recipe? I think there's some innate ability mixed with it's a little bit of nature, a lot of nurture, and the fear of God that if you don't do this, you will be worthless. Because in many ways, that's what I was told. You're smart and obedient. You're smart and obedient. I was never told you're kind. You have good ideas. You're creative. You're beautiful. Nothing like that. And so it was my singular goal in life to make my parents believe that I was worth their hard work and sacrifice by coming to America to to achieve and and to you know check boxes and to earn diplomas and bring home A's like that's that's all I knew. Looking back on this, do you think it's so crazy that you graduated Cornell at nineteen, or is it not even phasial? No, it's so crazy because my stepdaughter Nicole is eighteen. We just had dinner last night, and I look at her and I'm like, a year from now she should be graduating college. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> like. There's no way. Like, I, who let me out of the house when I was 15? They just let me go live in the dorm. And when I was 15, I had a college boyfriend that I probably shouldn't have been having, but I lived in a dorm and I was smart. You know, when you're smart, you also know how to get away with things, right? Like, so dating this guy that I shouldn't have been dating when I was 15 because he was 18. Let me tell you about what I was doing <laughs> at 19. When I was 19, <laughs> I was flashing tits on the bar I was fucking off. I was drinking. Um, like I was out till two in the morning. What were you? I mean, you're. Let's you, not get into me. Yeah, let's not I was. Into. I was studying. I was well, studying I, for midterms. I think and there exams. is like a. I mean, that is such an intense experience. But I also think it's inspiring in a lot of ways because it's incredible what you're able to achieve at such a young age. And I think it proves the the, the human potential like what that kind of focus can do. Not saying that everybody should do that, right? Like, No, I, think, I, don't, I don't recommend it yeah, at all. <laughs> I don't think, I actually don't recommend it either, but it's really inspiring to hear that like with that type of focus, those kind of results can happen. I mean, that, that's an extreme example, but you know, like we hear the other extremes all the time of people kind of fucking off, not doing anything, trying to find their path. And it's like, well, focus, sit down. I mean, you're on the on the one side, but the other side is like people like, what do I do? I don't know if I can do it. And here, here's a 15 year old girl that goes to college and then graduates Cornell at 19. And now I want to look at a lot of people like, hey, what's your excuse? You're 35. Let's get to, let's get it together. Well, I was a robot. You know, I had no emotions. I was like, I will go to school. I will make good grades. Like I was a fucking robot, you know? And then I, so I graduated 19, went to medical school, graduated at the top of my class with an MD behind my name at the ripe age of 23, went to UCSF, which is a really good anesthesia program, got married and had two kids by the time I was 30. And I was like, mom and dad, I have now completed the checklist that you gave for me. Now do you love me? Now am I worthy? And they're like, you're all right. And then I had a midlife crisis. And I was like, I have done every single thing that anybody in this world has ever asked me to do. I'm a good girl. Like, I, I help people. I save lives. I had two children at the same time, God damn it. And I'm like, what about me? 
And then Bravo knocked on the door and I was like, you know what? I will embarrass myself on national TV. Why the hell not? I will build my own candle business from scratch because I like candles. I will start my own wine company because guess what? I like drinking wine. And it was like that early 30s, like 30 to 35, where I was just like, F this, because I've done everything that's ever been expected of me and I'm still not fulfilled. So now I'm just going to do me. You are Tony Robbins' prime example. Have you heard of this? <laughs> no. The art of achievement. No, the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Oh, is that a book? No, it's his like whole thing is like you. There's so many people that he talks to that are millionaires, billionaires, so fucking successful. Just high achievers. High achievers, just like you that come to him like Steve Jobs style. Not Steve Jobs, Steve Wynn. Excuse me. Uh-huh. Steve Wynn come to him and say, I'm unhappy. Why? And it's because Mm. exactly what you just said. They've done the checklist. They've achieved everything that there's possibly to achieve, but they don't feel fulfilled. Yep. And it's exactly what you're saying. That's that's like really, really crazy that you you did the checklist. You did everything your parents wanted you to do. And you still felt like there was like a empty void. Well, I think a lot of it is because people because in a lot of ways you're fulfilling somebody else's checklist. Right. Right. It's not your checklist. It's not the thing that you would have actually wanted to do, but you're doing it for, in this case, your parents or what you perceive to be is acceptance. All of these, what you perceive to be is gaining love, all of these things. Yep, exactly. When you look back on your life because you were so young when you went to college, what were the sacrifices that you look back that you think you made? Oh my gosh. Well, I don't know if you call them sacrifices because I just wasn't allowed, but I never had a sleepover. I never got to go to other people's birthday parties because usually if you go to someone's birthday you're supposed to bring a gift and we were so poor that we couldn't afford to bring a gift for the birthday person so then I just wasn't allowed to go to the party even though like we had no plans I was incredibly lonely I wish I had had a sibling I mean my brother was born when I was 11 I left for college when I was 15 and he was four so it's not like we kicked it together I barely know my parents I barely know my brother like I don't it's so weird to say these things out loud because I think these things, you know, but most of the time you don't talk about stuff like that, except with my therapist. I know, but it does. <laughs> it, it does make you, in my opinion, one, a great housewife because there's so many there's so many people that probably feel the same way and relate to you on so many of these things. Is your brother feel like he has a checklist, too, or did he go the diff- a different way? I feel like you either go one way or the other with how you grew up. I tell him that his name is Josh. I'm like, Josh, we have different parents. And he's like, what are you talking about? We have the same mom and dad. And I was like, I know, stupid. Listen to me. Mom and dad, when they had you and you had your childhood, were not the mom and dad that I had when I was a child. Because by the time he was born, we had money. We lived in a house. Like where you drive up and there's a house. There was no stairs and an apartment. I didn't have that till I was 10 years old. You know, that's why they had him because then they could like finally afford to have another baby, you know. So he had toys growing up. I went to Goodwill and garage sales growing up. You know, like we we had different, but I love him. He's my brother. He's a doctor because, you know, he was given the choice as well, doctor or lawyer. So now, you know, everyone tells my parents like, oh my gosh, you guys have the best kids. He's a surgeon. I'm an anesthesiologist, you know, blah, blah. My parents are very popular at Chinese church. When you... (laughs) When you're that age and you're maybe not getting 
you know, the attention that a child typically gets, how are you, how are you seeking out comfort? And like, what are you, where are you going to find those moments of comfort and where, and so that you can maybe escape loneliness? One thing that I'm really grateful for, I think about it in my meditation, is that Michael is on board now with keeping everything in our house clean, even our cleaning supplies. Well, listen, even if you're someone who's resistant to switching your household supplies, listen to a few of our episodes and you'll realize how important it is to have clean ingredients in the house for your gut microbiome, for your children, for your pets, for yourself. All of these things affect us in such a significant way. So honestly, switching to a better and more effective and safer product was a no-brainer for me. So enter Grove. Grove carries hundreds of products aimed at replacing single-use plastics across your home. So by 2025, you guys, Grove will be 100% plastic-free, which is awesome. I really, really like this. I noticed that a lot of my cleaning supplies were in plastic. I revamped everything. And now we have refillable glass bottles. They're friendlier to the planet and twice as effective as the leading natural brand. Okay. So here's the deal. They have you covered with safe formulas, refillable packaging, and they never compromise on performance. Join over 2 million households already shopping sustainably at Grove. We've talked about this brand for a long time. I think you got to go check it out now. You're going to go to grove.com slash skinny today and you get a free gift set. That's amazing. A free gift set worth up to $50 with your first order. Plus shipping is free and fast. Get started right now at grove.com slash skinny grove.com slash skinny. Plus shipping is free and fast. Get started right now at grove.com slash skinny grove.com slash skinny. That is such a good question, Michael. I found comfort in counting on myself and in books. Like I love books. I could read books all day long. I have your book. It's on my bookshelf at home, color coordinated. I learned to count on myself, honestly, from a really young age. I I grew up lonely. I grew up insecure. I grew up always wanting to please others. And I kind of figured out that like, it's you, bitch. Like, you know, make it happen or don't. But like, you can't really count on other people. And maybe that's not so good because then, you know, I had a lot of walls. And when I did start making friends when I was older, I sort of would be like, oh, when's this person going to abandon me? When are they going to betray me? Like, you know, because I just always had like abandonment and trust issues. Michael and I are big readers, too. And I would love to know any books that you could recommend to our audience, like maybe like your top three. It could be something you're reading now, something you read when you were little, maybe a book that changed your life, anything. Oh, my gosh. I love I have so many books. Grit by Angela Duckworth. She's a UPenn professor. Present Over Perfect by Shina Nyquist. She's amazing. I probably just said her name wrong. Becoming Michelle Obama. These sorts of memoirs of people who are telling their story. I need to read that. Becoming. Yeah. Okay. I have a book for you. Oh, God. Good Morning Monster. Oh. It's all about childhood trauma. Oh. And it's five cases of five different childhood traumas. Oh. And it is so fucking good. And as you were talking and telling your story, these are like extreme traumas. But there are little parts of like what you're saying, like being alone and what these kids did. Like one was locked in a basement. Like it's so good. 
Yeah. You'll like it. I, I just, but I don't want to come across as this like whiny, like, oh, my parents abandoned me. Like they made a huge leap of faith to come to America for the opportunity to give me a better life. Like if they hadn't have done that, I'd probably be stuck in Beijing right now. I don't know what the hell I'd be doing. Or maybe I would have made it. Like who knows, right? Because we don't have a control for this experiment where one of me went to China, I mean, stayed in China and one of me came to America or whatever, right? Like we have no control for our own lives. And I just, I never want to come across as like ungrateful for my parents or that they caused me so much trauma. But at the same time, like they caused me a lot of trauma, but I still love them so much. I, I, don't, think, I don't think you're coming off whining. No, you're and not I, coming off whining at all. And, you know, I don't think this is a common experience, but I also, especially for many immigrants, don't think it's an uncommon experience, right? People that come yeah. from another country and like, you know, their parents come with a perspective of a life that, like I was saying earlier, is much harder and the opportunities are much more limited. And so they come here and they're like, they're pushing their children so hard. I don't think out of you know, anything, it, probably out of anything but love, right? Like they want their children to have more opportunities, a better life than they had, right? Of course. But it's just the way they go about it is harsh to many Americans because people that are born here don't realize how well they, they have it, right? Yeah, for I sure. Think that, and I talk about this a lot, even with pregnancy, like you can simultaneously say how it is but also be grateful. So yeah. you can simultaneously be grateful for your childhood and grateful for your parents, but also still talk about what really happened and how it affected you. I think we're at this place now where you have to be like, everything has to be like one side or the other side. I feel we can have, you can have two emotions at once. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's mixed emotions, you know, totally. Cause fine. I'm like, I'm so grateful. Like they gave up so much for me. And then I'm like, but I resent them so much in some ways. Like, why couldn't they just be nice to me? Why couldn't they just throw me one? I love you when I was small. <laughs> I think that it probably has made you an incredible mother. I'm just going to guess. That's what we see. Well, now I smother my children. I'm like, how are you? How was your day? How do you feel? Let's use our feeling words. Are we excited? Are we anxious? And they're like, mom, <laughs> you know, like we swing the other way. They're pretty cute. And they look very, very smart. They seem very smart. They're a little too smart oh. sometimes. Uh, like, are they going to Cornell at 15? I will not allow. I want them to have a normal childhood. I also don't want them dating an 18 year old when they're 15. <laughs> so I expect to keep them under my watchful eye locked down until they're really 18 and go off to college. We we get it. Michael gets it too. So, so what's the main reason or motivation to go on Housewives after all of this, knowing all of this about you, then you said, okay, I'm going to take a full left turn and I'm going to go on <laughs> national TV on Bravo. I just thought I want to do something that no one expects of me because yeah. my whole life I've done everything pretty, pretty perfect. And if I tell my friends that I'm going to join Housewives, they'll be like, what? You're joking. And I was like, I'm going to surprise everyone. I'm going to give everyone my middle finger, you know? And I, and also I was flattered at, at being given the opportunity because when I was having Zoom interviews with the producers and stuff like that, honestly, I never in a million years thought that they would pick me. I would have cast you right away. <laughs> I, I never. I was like, and just so you guys know, I'm a full-time doctor and I intend to keep working during filming. So you're going to have to make accommodations around my working schedule. And they're like, okay, okay. And I was like, and just so you know, I'm not going to take off my clothes and do tequila shots and like be drunk and stupid on TV. So, you know, and I was like, you know, during the interview and I was like, they're not going to pick me. They're not going to pick me. So then whenever they picked me, it was like the popular boy in high school like asking me out and I was like is this a joke like okay I'll go on a date with you you know 
And then when I told my friends, they were like, no way, you're not going to do that show. They're like, you don't even watch TV. You, do you even know what that show's about? I was like, they follow you around. It's a reality TV show. How bad could it be? <laughs> Did they reach out to you? Yeah. They reached out to you? Yeah. I want to go back before we get into Housewives because I have 100 questions. And I wanted you to tell us the first time that you put someone to sleep. Because your job is... It's a very interesting job. It's eerie. It's eerie. It freaks me out every time I have to go under anesthesia. I'm like, it's what's kind of fun though to go under anesthesia. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, it's like a controlled high. Yeah, it's kind of like, under the medical supervision of a highly trained anesthesiologist. Yeah, Michael, it's kind of fun. Can I be honest? What I freak out about is like, what are they doing to me when I'm out? Like, that? I don't want to know. I don't know whatever surgery you're supposed to be having. I know, we're not what like if they're like touching my ear or doing something. We're weird? not touching your or, ear. You know, I'm not, knows? you know, giving you a facial or waxing your eyebrows. <laughs> I had a six. I think I saw hour. that Seinfeld back in the day, you know, when they're like out of the Messing with you, yeah. yeah. I no. had a 16-hour surgery for my jaw. No, it wasn't 16. Yes, it was. Yes, no, it was. No, it wasn't 16. It was, you're, you're under anesthesia too long. It was a long surgery. It was like six hours almost. It was like, oh, I thought point, it was 16. No, tell me, you'll be able to know. Oh, was, you're going to take my thunder? I thought it was 16. <laughs> I was Wait, like, can you be under? I mean, no. you can. We've done 16-hour surgery. No, I think was, it was but six, that, that, that no, seems. No, I was there. I was, I was in real He was time. waiting for you. <laughs> so he knows exactly <laughs> how long listen, because he was in the waiting room. 16 hours, I would have had to I think it was. Is she dead? Is she going to wake up from this? It was a good run. I thought it was 16, but maybe it was nine. No, it wasn't nine either. <laughs> it wasn't nine. It was five and a half. No, is, it wasn't five and a half. I promise you it was well, five. What did they do to you for they five and a half They had to break hours. my entire jaw and put it back Masio together. Did you surgery. have a Laforte fracture? No. Maxio. Maxio. Maxillofacial? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Like what? Five hour surgery? Five and a half? Wait, yeah. So, but here's not my- Not nine, not 16. When you put the person to sleep, like yes. if you put me to sleep for that surgery, do yes. you leave the room? Are you done? No, you never leave. <laughs> okay. One time I had a diarrhea so bad and I had to call my friend and was like, girl, Girl, you gotta come to OR four like right now. I'm gonna shit my man. So, so, so <laughs> I had you, bad sushi or something. You have to. You, you like, cannot leave. See, don't you tell cannot me, leave. Don't tell you me don't the leave. story because I can't. Now I'm gonna be thinking like I'm gonna ask. You know, anytime I'm going, I'm gonna ask the anesthesiologist. You got a shit. You got a. You got a problem. No, you, like, you're we shit in between cases. That's why I'm chronically dehydrated because <laughs> I don't. I swear, to, like, you cannot leave. Either you or if you're working with a resident or a nurse anesthetist, somebody anesthesia wise is at the bedside at all times this profession is so intriguing to me because it's the like i'm i'm so scared of hospitals and needles and all this stuff so it's like i'm like almost want to like look at the car accident if that makes sense no i okay so when i was filming my work obviously did not let us film but i'm like why can't we do a medical show where we just film people going into anesthesia I and would surgery love it. i would love it there's so many plastic surgery shows and they show the plastic surgery i mean it's pretty graphic you know there's like a viewer advisory or whatever but how come they never show people being put to sleep with anesthesia and we put the breathing tube in and we're doing extra ivs and i'm transfusing blood Ugh. how come that's not shown like we got no cred. Like, I want a medical show where, like, the anesthesiologist is shown, too, not just the plastic surgeon. What was the first time that you put someone to sleep? And did you get a high off putting someone to sleep? Okay, so there was the first time that I did it as a resident, like, under the supervision of my attending person. And then there's the first time I did it by myself, by myself, where I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I'm now I'm the attending. You know, one day you graduate from residency and, like— all of a sudden, you're, you know, magically smarter. You know what, though? After hearing you talk and hearing your story, if anyone's putting me under it, <laughs> Thank you. Right? Thank you. Right? I hope you never need my services. But if you do, I would love to help you. And I put someone to sleep. And, and this is the thing. It is not hard to put someone to sleep. 
Michael Jackson's doctor put him to sleep. He just didn't wake his ass up. The hard part is maintaining homeostasis and then waking you up after you've just had this six or nine hour surgery and you're comfortable and we've just taken out a tumor out of your ovary or taken out your entire uterus or fixed your broken femur. And but you're in the recovery room and you feel okay. I mean, you're a little loopy, right? You're in a little bit of pain, but like that's a cool fucking magic trick. I think. And you watch you watch all of these surgeries, I assume, because you're there. Yep. You've seen it all. I've seen it. Nothing grosses you out. Oh my God. I love the gorier the better. Nothing. If we were allowed to eat in the OR, I would just have a snack. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) No, you would not. I would. I blood. Guts does not gross me out. I started crying the other day because I had to get my finger pricked. I would have rolled my eyes so hard if I, I was with I was you. crying because I had to get she my finger like pricked. She can't even draw like, blood or Like a prick of my oh finger. Oh my God. I have, I have vasco. Vasovagal. Vasovagal. So you're like going to hit the floor. For yeah. you to say that you would eat in the surgery room, <laughs> like I'm about to faint on camera. Like I can- I've seen everything. I've seen shredded limbs, <sighs> like am- like amputations where like it wasn't meant to be an amputation, but the car accident and the you know door like severed someone's leg and there's like oh, little bits Jesus. hanging. I've seen people try to kill themselves, but they didn't kill themselves. And so they come in bleeding. I've seen shooting stabbings. I saw a man impaled on a fence like he fell off the roof but then the fence was pointy and he oh, like impaled fuck. himself on like a fleur de lis. I was like oh that's a pretty fleur de I like that. I might do that for my front yard and my friend was like bitch pay attention I was like oh yeah oh. more units of blood. I've transfused like 120 units of blood to one person before what's a the most wound. common accident that we should all watch out for that's super random that you see a lot surprisingly I mean it's all car accidents a lot of car accidents. it's all car accidents it's a lot of texting and driving and drinking and driving, sadly. Drinking and driving. Because anyone who comes in through the trauma bay gets a Utox. So we know your blood ethanol level and we know if you've been smoking, snorting, you know, anything. So. Or if someone hits you and you're the victim of that. Like what? Like if, if uh-huh. you get hit and uh-huh. it's someone who has been drinking and driving or drinking yeah. and driving or doing drugs. Yeah. With Uber, though, I, it's got, it's not getting any better. How is it not getting better? I don't know, but I work at a trauma hospital. So, like, my view is, like, really skewed, right? Because, like, I just you see trauma see all day long. How do you detach from that when you go home? Mm, it's hard. You make TikToks and hang out with your kids, and you have to sort of, like, leave, leave it at the door. Like, when I take off my scrubs, I have to tell myself, like, self, you know, don't worry. Like, and then sometimes I check on my patients from surgery from two days ago because I'm like, did that lady make it or not? Like, I'm just curious because I took care of her for six hours after her car accident. So two days later, I want to see if she's, you know, okay or not. And sometimes they're not okay. Do you ever get attached to the patient? No, because I don't know them personally. Like, I don't, I don't talk to them. I don't know. I mean, sometimes because this... I have domestic violence victims and I know their backstories and stuff like that or cancer patients and I, you know, met their families and gave them hugs and stuff. But I try, I chose anesthesia specifically because I'm bad with feelings. I was going to ask you why you chose, like with everything you learned, like why that was the... Yeah. 
because I wanted so bad to be a dermatologist because I love skincare. I could talk skincare like all day long. But I just, when I did my dermatology rotation and you're in clinic and you biopsy moles and you're prescribing Accutane to pimply teenagers. And I was just like, this is so boring. And then I did anesthesia and they brought in like a gunshot wound. And I was like, yeah, let's transfuse blood. Let's give pressors. Like, let's put in a central line. And I was like, oh, this is it. It's like when you meet the love of your life and you're like, this is the person I'm going to marry. When I did my anesthesia rotation, I was like, this is the medical specialty I'm going to marry. Like, I just loved it. When when the person is in surgery and you've... You, okay, so say you've distributed the anesthesia, the person's in surgery. Do you get to sit back and relax or are you watching the monitors like a psycho or are you like involved in the surgery? Like, what are you doing? I'm not involved in the surgery at all, like not scrubbed in. So there's like a, a shield sort of at the patient's neck. We call that the blood-brain barrier. And I watch the surgery sometimes if it's interesting. Sometimes it's not. I watch the monitor like a hawk. And the longer you do it, like before, I used to watch the monitor, like every three minutes, the blood pressure cycles, and I would just stare at it and like freak out. But now that I've been doing anesthesia for like 14 years, like I can like sort of watch the monitor with one eye and like talk about my weekend plans with the surgeon with my other eye, you know, and there's a medical student usually that's with me. And so I'm like teaching them stuff and I'll open up. We have a, a Pixis machine, which is like a little robot looking thing that has like a hundred drugs in it. So I'll open a drawer and start pimping the medical student. When we ask medical students questions, we call it pimping, not like you know, has nothing to do with sex. So I'll open up a drawer of the Pixis and be like, what's this drug? What are the indications for its use? Tell me it's pharmacokinetics. What are its adverse effects? So I'll start asking, you know, because during surgery, sometimes in the middle of a long surgery, as the surgeons are working, we're on a little bit of autopilot. I'm not going to lie to you, you know? I mean, but then sometimes we hit some turbulence and that's why I'm there. I, I always say like, I'm there for when the times are tough, not when we're on autopilot and everyone's kicking in and there's music going on and we're just, you know, working along. So I almost feel like your childhood of how you, how you had to detach and just focus on your studies has made you an incredible anesthesiologist. Yeah. Because you're able to detach when you go home from it. Yes. And also it's like you're in charge and I'm super OCD. Like I like my things the way I like them. I like my drugs labeled and lined up exactly how I like them. And I set up my case the same every single day. Like I could, you could blindfold me and I could like reach for drugs because I know exactly where I put them. What makes a really good doctor, medical student, anesthesiologist? Like where can you, when when you spot someone and you're like, that's going to be a damn good doctor? Conscientiousness. What do you mean? Like, reading the room, like being able to have good judgment. It's like, a, I can't describe it, but when I see it, like I know it because there are some medical students and I'm like, please don't go into anesthesia. Like you'd make a great internist. <laughs> please stay in clinic. And, and and I don't mean that in like a derogatory way, but anesthesia, you have to think quickly on your feet. You basically have to like treat and diagnose a problem simultaneously. Like if you're one of those people that needs to sit down, like marinate over something, like that's not good for anesthesia. So like you're decisive. Yes. But like correctly decisive, right. not wrongly decisive. <laughs> yeah, you don't know, you just want to be decisive. <laughs> what is something that would surprise us about anesthesiology and being put under? Like, is there anything that like you think that the consumer, the customer doesn't know? Do I want to know? I don't know if I no, want to. I want to know. Anesthesia is so safe now because of the monitoring 
technology and drugs that we have that you are more likely to die in a car accident on a freeway than you are under general well, anesthesia. Well, that's good. That's that okay, makes me feel better. Okay, but here's the question. And when did this technology kick in? Like it's been yeah, this is not like tomorrow yesterday. Like, like, 10, like 10 years, years. yeah, yeah. 10 20 years, yeah. Oh, I God. notice after I get anesthesia, 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 I can get depressed. And I I this is my theory. <laughs> this is the Lauren Everett's theory. Going to be based I on think, no medical reasoning. <laughs> I think that that it constipates you. And oh, yeah. so all the toxins from it get stuck inside of you and you don't have them exit your body. So I think, and this is my, Dr. Lauren, <laughs> that you should have like a stool softener afterwards to make sure that that you have the anesthesia exit your body. You are actually not wrong, Dr. Lauren. Thank but you. I will clarify for your listeners <laughs> because generally when you go under general anesthesia, which means you're completely asleep, that's like the most common type. We give you opioids, which are pain medications, the most common of which is fentanyl, which is now known because people like do it in the streets for fun. Not good. Don't do that, kids. When you take any kind of opioid such as fentanyl, that constipates you. You have opioid receptors in your bowel. So anytime you have general anesthesia, which contain opioids, the bowels are going to be a little slow. You're going to be a little bit backed up. So you should take a stool softener and you should drink extra water. You can never go wrong drinking extra water. Basically, I've decided that the answer to every problem in life is to drink more water. Maybe Except a, when you're pregnant. Maybe then, have a magnesium supplement. <laughs> yeah, magnesium. Yeah, magnesium. That it, does work. Yeah. Of course. Well, oh, that does work. Well, the three and eight will not do it but the, if you have glycinate yeah thank you dr michael so you are actually onto something i i think every doctor should prescribe a stool softener yes is that weird i really no, do when you have anesthesia you should take a stool softener yeah that's my public and service. probably if you had any kind of abdominal whatever the last thing you want to be doing is straining on the toilet after you just had any sort of like c-section hysterectomy you know girl surgery or abdominal surgery because you don't want to be straining on your sutures See, I mean, Dr. Maybe, Lauren, I give you, I, I hereby on. declare you an honorary MD. Thank wow. you. Thank you. You know what you Dude, said? You're podcasting, now you're a doctor. <laughs> you know what you said on the show that really stuck with me? Huh? You said that you, when you come home from your work, uh-huh. you go into a different house, like a guest house, uh-huh. and you shower and take all your clothes off and take your shoes off before you even enter your house. If Michael wears shoes into a doctor's appointment with me, I will not, like, he is not allowed to what, even touch the, a what's toe. What's the reasoning? Because I think that there's a lot of germs at hospitals and doctor's offices that I don't want in my house. Is it true that you, like, strip your clothes, like, everything gets, but like... But that that's the reason you do it? Or well, you just... Well, an energy thing. It, it was a COVID thing. It started when COVID happened. Oh. And so I, every morning at six o'clock in the morning, and it, the shower is attached to my garage. So we have a five car garage and then an extra garage that was supposed to be the sixth garage that we turned into a shower so that when we have play dates with my kids in the summer and they have swimming parties, Keep the, the little wet, wet feet yeah, yeah. stay outside. Ooh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, Take so notes, Michael. It's a whole bathroom. I don't need your wet toenails. Yeah, I was like, we don't no, need no, no, a sixth no, no. garage. Just make it into a bathroom shower. So I would do decontamination shower, which was <laughs> one, to wash any COVID particles that may have come home with me. But also, two, it was co- kind of like this mental 
whole, like washing away the day. Like it was a bad day. We lost a patient or a patient had a mass and we open them up and do the um, biopsy. And then we get what's called a frozen section in the middle of surgery. And it comes back from pathology in like 30, 45 minutes and it's cancer. So we close. Like it's done, so we're not doing the surgery because they it's it's all, it's they're everywhere. So we close. You can't spread it, right? Yeah, yeah. So then you know I had a bad day. So the de- decontamination shower is both for physical and mental reasons. So I can like take off my clothes, take off my day, wash it away, and then put on fresh clothes and come inside and hug all my kids and things like that. But we always take off our shoes when we come inside the house. I don't care where you've been. When I was pregnant, my number one craving, and I don't want to make your mouth water, but I will, was a piece of crunchy sourdough, <laughs> like a big, huge hunk of sourdough <laughs> with Doe's dip chocolate spread. It is this chocolate hazelnut spread, okay? It has beauty benefits in it. It's so delicious. I put it on the sourdough, like a thick layer of it. And then I sprinkled a little bit of crunchy sea salt on top. It is so damn good. You will freak out. This drip chocolate spread, you guys, is so freaking good. It's vegan. It's gluten-free. It has six ingredients. It's 64% hazelnuts. It's enhanced with aloe for beauty benefits, and it has vitamin C in it. Zaza's into it. Michael's into it. The ingredients are amazing. Unlike normal drip chocolate spreads, okay? There's so much shit added to all these different chocolate spreads. This one only has hazelnut, organic cane sugar, cocoa powder, aloe vera extract, sea salt, and vitamin C. It is so delicious. I'm sorry to get everyone addicted, but you have to go on the site and order this. It's literally amazing. It's free of BS ingredients. It's vegan. It's gluten-free. They also have cookie dough, okay? all kinds of cookie dough. It's absolutely amazing. You can bake it or you can just eat it out of the tub, okay? I like to eat it out of the tub. It could be raw. You could bake it, whatever you want to do. They just launched a new limited edition flavor, mint chocolate chunk, which is absolutely delicious. Like Think like a Girl Scout cookie, like a thin mint. It has ginseng in it and it literally tastes like a thin mint. So good. We have an exclusive discount. They never do this 20% off and free shipping with code skinny at eatdough.com. That's spelled E-A-T-D-E-U-X.com. Promo code skinny for 20% off. Go buy that drip spread. Okay, I'm telling you. They just launched nationwide at Target and you can find them by the rest of the refrigerated cookie doughs. Trust me, it's to die for. Go get the chocolate spread. Thank me later. Let's go off on a tangent about this before we get into housewives. Okay. I do not want shoes in my house. And this is my pet peeve and I'm putting it up and I hope we can pull this clip to put on my Instagram story. I don't like shoes in my house. Everyone knows that. When you're going to take your shoes off though, what is with the people that step in my house to take their shoes off to leave their shoes in my house? Can we just take the shoes off before we enter the house? No, Lori, you got to get like a bench or something. Yeah, I have a bench. a bench. I have a bench. Outside? Yes, I have a bench. Mm, it's a little bit there, of a chair in, situation. In the, I think in the foyer area that can be That's the acceptable. shoe removal I don't love area. The foyer area can't we just take them off outside no but then they're expensive polite. shoes yeah, Lauren, that's not polite and it's hot outside and there's like you know what Lauren, that's not culture. i don't have a foyer no, that's not culture, <laughs> i don't have a foyer <laughs> yeah you got a little foyer can i get a f- i do not have a yeah, foyer, it's a foyer. But it's an entry. It's an entry i would way. love a foyer and a decontamination yeah, but you can't you can't make people so you think it's okay for them to step in the house yes. and take the shoes off that's my preferred method oh. to, to come inside okay. welcome and then 
please take off your shoes? I thought you were like inside the air conditioning though. Because sometimes you have boots and there's laces and it's all that stuff. And it's like kind of like I feel like it's like almost a little rude to be like, oh, you can't even come inside until you don't have. So it's like, oh, hi, welcome. How are you? Please take your shoes off. What about a booty? Okay, so you can take your. There's three choices. Okay, you can take off your shoes, and you can keep your socks or bare feet, whatever. If you got some stanky ass feet, because you know who you are, stanky ass feet people. There is a booty that you can. It's like a shoe cover, disposable that you can wear. Or I have this machine where you step on it, and it's like a saran wrap. And then ours doesn't work. Mine, mine must be shitty. I you, don't have you must foyer. have got the bootleg version. Oh, yeah, I think I got the bootleg version. And, but that the the saran wrap thing doesn't work if you're in stilettos because it kind of like punctures through the saran wrap. Okay, I think I got the I think I got the bad one. Wait, so do you have like a little basket of shoe covers? Yes, and it's cute. I made it cute. Okay. And and next to it is um a cute trash can. Okay. So that on their way out when they're putting their shoes back on, where there's a bench. Okay, so you need oh, this is I'm gonna set it up for y'all. Go. You need a foyer. Okay. You need a bench. You need a cute basket okay. that's labeled shoe covers. We need to take. You need on a this. trash can next to it so that okay. they can dispose of them on their way out. You need the saran wrap thing where they can step on it and like saran wrap just the bottom of their feet. It sounds like your anesthesiologist kit, but I'm like, gonna get my arms around this and transition <laughs> to the next subject. No, I just have, I just have one more thing to say. No, but it's over. No, I have to call you out. The worst though is when he tiptoes across the floor with his tennis shoes on and says, mm-hmm. "I have to run across real quick." Well, I'm not playing like just, hot lava, you know? No, he's playing hot lava. He tries to run across real quick because he has to grab something. No, I had on cute boots that took like five minutes to put on and then realized I forgot something. So I just did it on all fours. I was like crawling on the floor to go get, you know what? And I made a TikTok of it. I was like, when you have your shoes on, but you forgot your, you know, well, lipstick. You got, two, you got two options in this You got to crawl. You got two options. Option one, I got to run across in the shoes once in a while. <laughs> Option two, we're signing the divorce papers. We're moving on. You got to crawl. You can I'm crawl. Not cra- I'm not crawling. We're, I, we're gonna have to move I on. will move on from the subject after I say this. When you go outside, you are stepping on fecal matter. I'm not stepping in fecal matter. I don't piss, know you, you think are. I'm stepping. It's piss in the hospitals. Who knows what you're stepping on? Blood. It's like guts. C. diff. You you're stepping must- on Barbie's hair that's come out of Mr. Jones's asshole. No, you and I are walking in different places. <laughs> not running into fecal matter. If you're in LA, you're stepping on heroin needle syringe. LA. If you're on New York in the subway, forget Listen, it. I don't live in New York or LA. Okay. I live in beautiful you know Texas where I the can, land is I could almost deal with that on the ground in my house. But here's the thing. My daughter sits on the floor. Oh, my kids I put my feet on the floor. floor. Yeah, right. It's like... The dog, our dog is a chihuahua. It's this close to the floor. It's gross. Like, can we just if make you don't it? move on from this subject? Okay, all right. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. That's, okay. That's Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> Housewives. Okay. So you get on Housewives. Yes. What's your immediate reaction to all the women right away? Like, did you like someone more? Did you like someone less? Was it good energy? I thought that this was going to be the sleepover that I never had. You know? <laughs> it's not wrong. You should have called me. Yeah. I would have told you. I have some strategies. I had no strategy. My strategy was to be myself and try to have a good time. I mean, it worked. <sighs> some people were more welcoming than others. What hurt, what hurt is that the way they film it is like you do something, you're at a party, people are nice, people are not nice, whatever. And then you watch that three months later. So then you watch that after someone was just nice, nice to you, they went to a table over here and talked shit about you. And you're watching that three months later and you're like, 
damn, I didn't know she said that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not normal. We don't have that normal human experience to like zoom out and see the way someone Right, like the, it's. And they it was may not so even know that weird. moment's captured, and then they have to answer for it. Right? Oh, and they like, know it's captured. We're mic'd, and there's a cameraman in my face. Like you know, it's being captured. Anyone that was like, I forgot it was being filmed. Really, bitch. There's seven cameras here. Are they welcoming, or is it like a bratty sorority? Bratty sorority. So it's like kind of like hard to become integrated into the is that culture. every franchise. I have no idea. She's okay. only she's only done Dallas. How would she? Know? I felt like I was being like hazed a little, like a pledge. You know, like having to prove that I really wanted to join the sorority. You know what, though? The audience is so savvy of they that show. Are. And they know. They do. Th- they will call it out as they see it. That's the thing that I think a lot of these housewives forget is that the audience is way smarter than you think. Yeah. And they're sussing and being like, why are these girls being so bitchy to the newcomer? So I feel like the audience knows that. The audience is very savvy. What was a moment in time where you were like, I wish I didn't do this show? Because I feel like you had ups and downs. It wasn't until like at least halfway through the season, probably two thirds of the way through the season that I actually let loose and like enjoyed myself. My first cast trip was incidentally to Austin. We drove an RV. It was just terrible. Like Deandra and Carrie were screaming at each other like at the dinner table. And I just did not know that like two people could cuss each other out and scream over a dinner table like that severely. You know, I was like, shocked. I just I just hit a breaking point. And and you have to remember while we were filming was in the middle of the pandemic and I was working full time, not missing a single day of work. So I was pulling about 40 to 50 hours at the hospital and filming. Um and, and you're seeing real life crisis in the it, hospital and I was like- intubating co COVID positive patients who were in respiratory distress and that's why I was being called to intubate them. So like I definitely had COVID particles in my face. You know what I mean? And then I'm filming and then they're like, oh, and then this Friday to Sunday, you're going to go to Austin. And I was like, but I want to spend time with my family. I've barely seen my kids this week. Like I literally have barely seen my kids this week. Like I don't remember the last day night I've had with my husband. Like it's not good. And they're like, nope, you're going to Austin this weekend. And I just, it just, and then the women were mean to me. And I just like, you could just see it. Like I just had it. And in that moment that we like, oh, well, we're supposed to jump in the lake as a, you know, thing. I was like, I'm done. I'm out of here. They tried to throw you in the pool. There was something with the pool. What was the pool? Carrie pushed me into a swimming pool with all my clothes on, like on episode two or something. That's dangerous. I can't swim. That's what it was. <laughs> you can't swim and she pushed you in the I mean, I pool. wasn't going to die. It would, I, I could stand in the pool. So I'm not going to be like dramatic and say that she tried to kill me because I could stand up in the pool. But she knew that I couldn't swim. And it, her and Cameron had like, you know, devised this funny thing to push Tiffany into the pool with all my clothes on. And, and it was a new dress you and it was ha- expensive. Yeah, you have like, be- your hair is like beautifully curled. Like the, yeah. you don't push someone in the pool that looks it like It was this. a mean girl thing. To, you just don't do that. And then the chicken foot episode, which oh, I feel like Lord. you have to talk about because that became a whole thing the whole season and michael i don't know if you I saw chicken foot. no i know oh, you, oh, oh i know all about okay. it okay if i had known that something that i eat for brunch like on a normal basis with my children would become like this thing you know like it was chicken feet gate i would not have brought them to dim sum i mean I it wish you brought me chicken foot i would love to try that i'm gonna I, we might have you. tried it in beijing but i would have loved to have tried it it actually looks it's really full good of collagen and it's like sweet yes. it's, it's like so barbecue. good for you right it tastes like barbecue it's really good for your skin too. Yeah. yeah, it's collagen. It's full of collagen. 
Okay, so there was like so, a judgmental undertone over a chicken. So butt. of course, again, the producers, kind of an uncultured moment, like as an American, right? Showing like, hey, you know, and look, I'm not a very worldly was, person, don't really understand cuisines. And and in in their defense, like they wanted to make it a moment. They were like, make her eat a chicken foot, make her eat a chicken foot, you know. And I'm like, she doesn't want to eat a chicken foot. They're like, but make her, it'll be fun, you know. We are trying to film a TV show, right? Okay, sure. so I'm kind of being very pushy with my chicken foot you know, offerings. And, and you know, she's being a little dramatic with her refusal of the chicken foot, you know, ends up putting it on the floor. And then all was fine, actually. That, to me, was the end of chicken feet. you didn't feet. care if she didn't eat it. I didn't give a shit if yeah, she yeah. ate a chicken foot or not. And that was it. I thought it was done. Okay, but what then, when the show airs three months later, she posts a picture on social media that says, chicken feet, no thanks. I'd rather eat dog treats. And I was like, okay, now that's offensive. So I actually didn't care about the chicken feet thing that happened on the show. What pissed me off was when she insinuated that she'd rather eat dog food. I mean, she said she'd rather eat dog food, promoting her dog food line, of course, her own one that she owns over like my brunch that I have on my table regularly on weekends. And so I texted her and I was like, I just saw your Instagram. I think that's really rude. Like, would you please take that down? And she was like, no. She like doubled down. You know how sometimes like you mess up and you're like, oh my God, I didn't know that people would take it like that. Like, you're right. Thank you for bringing that to my attention or something like that. But she doubled down. And then that's when it got ugly. So then we just started volleying Twitter insults at each other left and right. And what was the audience saying? Like, were they defending you? Yes, they're like, there are politer ways to refuse a food. I thought you were the queen, self-proclaimed queen of etiquette. Do you put food on the table of a restaurant? Do you think that's proper etiquette? And then some people didn't get it because some people were like, I don't like chicken feet either. Does that make me a racist? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, actually, honey, like this isn't even about chicken feet anymore. You, didn't, you, 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 you were upset that they insulted the cuisine, right? Is that or, or, the, or, or, the, or the culture? Yes that she it's like oh this is gross why would a certain group of people do this right it's almost like there was a judgmental like dirty undertone yes that's what i got from it it was like which by the way if you're chicken feet here i'd be eating them right now i want some <laughs> collagen for the baby yeah <laughs> and, and i actually don't care at all about the chicken feet it's just that she like manipulated the situation into being that I was offending my own culture. And then I made a TikTok about my mom throwing a shoe at me. And then she was like, I don't understand how stereotyping isn't racism. And I was like, well, first of all, it was a TikTok that was meant to be funny about an experience that I actually had as a child. Like my mother would throw shoes at me and my best friend's Mexican. And she was like, hell yeah, girl, La Chancla. Like everybody knows that. And, you know, she was like, I think that you're racist. And then so this is all bad. But wait, it gets worse because her husband and his brother chime in on Twitter and call me a racist and then tag my employer because their daddy donates millions of dollars to my employer. And there's a chair named after their daddy because that's how donating money to hospitals works. That's how, you know, wings of hospitals get named and chairmanships get named after people is because you donate money. So they basically tried to get me fired from my job is what I'm trying to tell you. And then Did I anything had to happen hire, with that really quick? Well, we had to get some legal assistance okay. involved. 
And then that's all I can say. Like that's up until the part that I can say is that then I had to get my lawyers involved. So you're filming this show. I never understand why the husbands get involved. This was going down. Yes, I'd be that like, is out. Let's right. give another tip. Like, Take your shoes off in the foyer. Okay. Also, if you're a husband on Housewives, yeah, don't I don't get think involved. it's. I don't think that like if Lauren came to me and she was in a in a fight on one of these shows with yeah. another housewife and she came to me and was mad that I didn't defend her, I'd look at her and be like, "What are you fucking nuts? You see what happens to these you guys?" You know who does a yeah. good job? It's who's weird a finesser? Mauricio. Yes, Mauricio does a good job. Your husband did a good job too. It's, because it's not the house husbands. It's no. not your fight to fight. It's a little women's silly battle. Yeah, it makes them look kind of bitchy. And don't little tag estrogen-y. my employer. Like, what the hell, dude? I actually have a whole ass career that I've worked my entire life for. And this is a silly little women's spat over chicken feet. Like we could have resolved it. Like you, sir, sit down. (laughs) At this point, had you guys filmed the reunion yet? Because I know there was drama on the reunion. Oh my God. I don't, the timeline, this came out right after the reunion, right after the reunion. So at what point do you know the show is canceled? I shot tests scenes with people that I recommended because okay when all this happened I was like F Bravo F this show like screw you guys I'm over I changed my bio on Instagram it caused this whole chain of phone calls I was like oh damn I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that we shot test scenes for a potential season six with friends my actual real friends that I introduced but the ratings were really low COVID started rising again after it had sort of defervest over the summer they called me one day and they were like we're just going to put it on a hiatus because we don't know if it's safe to film. The ratings were super low last season. New York isn't even having a reunion because something happened with them. I don't know. Like, it was just not good. And I was like, cool. Thanks. Like, I was so relieved because I was sort of in the mindset that if they would cast my actual friends, because I introduced them um, to two friends of mine and Deandra introduced them to one friend of hers, that it would actually be the sleepover I never had. Like we could actually have fun. I wanted a do-over basically because I had such a terrible time with this cast. And it wasn't because I was working as a doctor and filming took a lot of time and I didn't get to see my kids and husband as much. It wasn't even that. It was that I felt like I joined the wrong cast. Like that if the people had been different, we would have had a good time. As an avid professional housewife watcher, <laughs> I would agree with you. I told you that off air that I that I think maybe the cast wasn't a fit. Not that it's not a great cast. I think there's some great people on the cast. I just right. think I, like I think if you had joined Beverly Hills or New York, I could see you in doing New York because you said you're from you, were, you lived in New York. Yeah. Like, I feel like there would have been more synergy. But what I will say is you were only on one season, but you made a huge impact. And sometimes people like there's people that there uh, that have been on New York for one season and I don't even remember their name. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you did make an impact and the audience really oh, did great. love you. Now we're going to hear from those people. Great. No, no. <laughs> I mean, look, I have haters, too. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I don't have haters like I if for anyone to go on TV and think that 100 percent of people who watch them are going to love them would be narcissism. By the way, that's life, too. Not <laughs> everyone's going to like you. Right. What? And what? I, I <laughs> everyone loves Michael, yeah, though. Yeah, like, how course, could yes. you not love this yeah, guy? Of course. I mean, oh. God. Lauren, and, come on. Honestly, I'm okay with everything that happened. People who don't like me think that I'm too uppity. I got in trouble for talking about my nine toilets. I'm too stuck up. How many times is she going to mention she's a doctor? You know, I hate her voice. Why does she talk like that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. This is this is what my parents 
told me that good English sounded like. I must have been trying to like imitate, you know, perfect American English. And well, I decided uh, that it was this valley girl voice. I don't know. I, I love the voice. Like the voice. <laughs> By the way, can we stop insulting people for their voice too? It's their I know. voice. Like are you going to insult like... Well, a little close to home there. Uh, well, huh? yeah, people insult me for my voice me too. too. This is my voice. Don't I listen. I know. Turn it off. This one hit a nerve. I'm like, do you do you not like <laughs> my nose too? You don't like my voice. You don't like my nose. Am I gaining too much weight? Let's be constructive with our criticism. If it's something that maybe I say like too much, right? Okay, yeah, I could like adjust that, right? Just, like, as, like as you said, like <laughs> yeah, but the way I speak, like, what do you want me to do? You I know. To <laughs> do you want me to? I know. I I have a nasally. I've been told they're like, "Are you from the valley?" Because you sure sound like it. I'm it's like, like insulting a guy for their penis size. They can't do anything about it. I think that, <laughs> that's what it is. I think that does happen though. Yeah, but it I is mean, what it is. I don't insult anyone for their penis size. I mean, I, but, I, but also <laughs> strangers are insulting me for my voice. But like a stranger can't insult you for your penis size because they haven't seen it. Right? Maybe you guys should just show your penises because <laughs> we have to show our voice. I mean, what's her mom of so and so and so and so wants? him to show his genitals so. show your genitals right now I hashtag feel, show like, your genitals i think that this is a sexual assault right? <laughs> <laughs> do, are, do you feel safe right now michael Lauren, lauren's making me feel very unsafe wink she, twice if you feel unsafe my eyes are i'm, I'm blinking a lot right he's now. seizing right now you yeah. guys no one cares what what his emotions are <laughs> moving right along <laughs> let, let me next know. topic please tell us something really that would surprise us about housewives that's juicy like something that we don't oh. know like maybe like they film for 16 hours and they only take an hour they don't pay for shit they don't pay for any of your outfits any of your glam only when you're doing those confessionals like in the chair they pay for the hair and makeup for when you're doing that but the parties that you throw the cute outfits that you have to wear i mean you don't have to but i mean you're gonna go on bravo like wearing some basic no you're not makeup hair because they say that's not that's your choice to wear a cute outfit and to have your hair and makeup done. So they don't pay for any of that. And I lost money my first season of Housewives because of the outfits, the hair and makeup, and the lawyer that I had to hire. <laughs> but you you gained money. Look at this transition. You gained money because of your candle company and your wine company, which you need to tell us about. Yes. I am a real big fan of your candles. Oxytocin is sitting lit right now for humans who need a little push. Yep. <laughs> Tiffany Moon, I love it. Well, being that you're pregnant, sometimes when you're in labor and you need a little extra help, the OB nurses will give you something called Pitocin, which is oxytocin. Pit and oxytocin are the same thing. It's like the generic name and the trade name. So that's why it's for humans who need a little push. So all of the aromesthesia candles have taglines, just like a good housewife. All right, guys, this one is exciting. Very exciting for me personally, because I have been waiting for the right partner to talk about this particular subject. And that is, where do you track your blood? How do you track your DNA? What's your fitness tracking? What platform do you use to figure all this out? And drum roll, please. That platform that I think is the greatest platform to do this is Inside Tracker. When it comes to your health and longevity, you hold nothing back. You understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build strength, speed, recovery, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. 
You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. I love this platform because I get so many questions, especially as you guys know, I've done a bunch of blood work this year, trying to figure out what's going on with my DNA, what's going on with my blood, what's going on with my vitamin levels, how it affects my fitness routine. And this is the platform that I think is the best for everybody out there to use. Inside Tracker couldn't recommend it enough. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash skinny. That's insidetracker.com forward slash skinny. Guys, check it out. Again, use code skinny at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Enjoy. What are the candles? Like, what is each one? Because there's four, right? There are 20. Wow. I bought Overachiever. I, <laughs> I should have known. Sorry. Excuse me. Hold on. Overachiever. There are 20, but I brought you the four that I thought you would enjoy most because oxytocin, um, because one, you're pregnant, and two, that I know that you're very sex positive. And we all know that oxytocin is the hormone that's released when you have an orgasm, which, you know, everyone should be having, hopefully, on a regular basis. So I wanted to give you that one. The other one is Ondansetron, which when I was pregnant, I took all the time because it's for morning sickness. It's Zofran. Ondansetron is Zofran. And then I brought you rosé champagne because right now you can't drink, but I thought at least you could smell a rosé champagne candle. (laughs) And then the last one is botulinum, which is Botox. Perfect. Because who doesn't have a little Botox in their face? And I who mean, doesn't miss a little Botox in their you're, face? Are you can you can't get it when you're pregnant? No, so you can't do anything when you're pregnant. I know you. Uh, I I'm not saying this, but you can get Botox when you're pregnant. But I'm not saying that. She didn't say that. I didn't say that. And and I that's not might have had advice. a little bit of wine last night. I didn't say that either. I okayed I it with my doctor. Yeah. So okay, your wine. Tell us about your wine. And I want to do a giveaway with your candles, if that's okay. Yes. So the wine is called Three Moons Wine. And actually, we created it in 2009 because my husband and I would take trips to Napa all the time because we were long distance. He lived in Dallas. I was doing anesthesia residency in San Francisco. And so he would come visit like every other weekend or something. And we just take like a little weekend trip to Napa. That's where he proposed to me. And I know it's like our little love spot. And so we ended up making friends with a winemaker who had excess juice off of his vineyard. So we made our own private label wine, but we don't own like an actual vineyard. We don't have a tasting room, anything like that. And it's small production. So we've been doing it for over 10 years. You have the most beautiful wine room in your house, though. (laughs) She's like, you know, the wine room that's at Rancho Valencia. If you if you haven't been there in San Diego, it reminds me of your wine room. Okay. You know what I'm talking about, right? No, I'm going to have to go up and check it out. I'll be up there next weekend. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it, it, we have 2,000 bottles of wine in an underground Gorgeous. cellar that's temperature and humidity controlled. It also almost looks like the earth on, on the show, at least, yeah. like the earth made this room. It's it, really it cool. Because we dug into the earth because it's the basement. And so we thought instead of hiding the fact that we're underground right now, let's showcase it. So we put glass and like up lighting. That's cool. To see the earth that like in. So it feels like you're in a cave. So we I'm call it the wine cave. Make a confession. This is yeah. my second manipulation of the podcast. The first one was the shoe covers. If you go back into shoes. I'm I know just that gonna... this, this is the <laughs> second one because I want in my next house. A wine cellar with the uplit lighting, with the clear, with the the earth made it situation. <laughs> Just so you know. I'm on board for that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. 
Yeah, that's um, easy. That's not even an If you no, had to easy, pick, uh, give. Right? If you had to leave our audience with a pick of what wine they should drink and what candle they should drink, if they could pick one of each, I mean, what would you do? Are you gonna drink a candle? I mean, you, <laughs> which wine? A candle you would yes. light and which wine you would drink? Oh my gosh, my favorite actually right now is the oxytocin because it's lychee pear, and I think that's like a good spring scent. In the fall, I like more like cinnamon, clove, earthy kind of scents. So I, I switch my scents by season or by my mood. There's one. Candle candle that I like to light that like when my husband sees that one lit is like he knows it's on. I don't even have to tell him anymore. What, you know? Is it a BJ candle? Is it the oxytocin? It's, it's, it's called Heloperidol. It's the H candle. We okay. nicknamed it Sexy Time Candle because mm. if that one's lit like it's about to go down. If that one's lit. I should have brought you that one. She went out into her outdoor shower. <laughs> she showered off. She has her fucking shoe covers on. She's ready. Yeah, yeah. And what about the wine? And the wine right now I'm loving the Sauvignon Blanc because it's hot outside and that wine I keep in the fridge like cold, cold, cold. And then not to be unclassy or anything, but I pour it in my Yeti tumbler so it stays cold. Love it. Because I don't like it when it's in a regular glass and then like 20 minutes later, it's room temperature. That's Texas classy. I like that. I like the Yeti in the I gave you an ice roller that you need to ice roll your face while you have your candle lit drinking your cold Yeti Sauvignon. I'm going to make a TikTok about living my best life while having a candle lit rolling my face and drinking perfect I mean, multitasking at its finest <laughs> where can everyone find you pimp yourself out tell us where to get your candles your wine follow you you have an incredible tiktok i am on tiktok and instagram and twitter although not much at tiffany moon md the same name across all the platforms um and my candles are on my website tiffanymoonmd.com and we give a portion of proceeds away to the largest provider of domestic violence services in Texas which I'm really proud of and the the candles all have taglines they all have indications for use like if anyone has ever told you that you have a resting bitch face yeah they're they're fun i it was a passion project i never really thought that it would become a business and i'm so so just grateful that my friends and followers have embraced my candle business and get they get the humor that comes through. They get that I poured premium ingredients into these candles and that, you know, they're triple scented essential oils, no paraffin wax. Like these are some bougie candles is what I'm trying to say. Because people are like, oh my God, $45 for a candle. And I'm like, well, it was a lot to make. Like just the glass alone is $2. She does it right. And she does it well. Burning the whole show. And also, yeah, it's, it's a 60 hour burn. Time. Yeah, yeah. I will say, too, I really sensitive to candles that have a bunch of like chemicals in them. And yes. this has been burning for the last hour and a half. And, and it's like, especially being pregnant. Yes. Like, it's like everything smells. These smell so good. Yes. I have to tell you because the the thing that people don't do is that right before you burn a candle, you're supposed to trim the wick so that it's one fourth of an inch. Overachiever. She has a um, fucking wick. We trimmer. like long dicks, not long wicks. Yes. We like long dicks, not long wicks. <laughs> don't, don't go. My mother's going to kill me. Go trademark that. Oh, no. Hashtag. Um, so, yeah. Every, every time before. Before you light your candle, make sure that the wick is nice and short because that gives you a nice even burn. I will always make sure that my wick is short, not my dick. <laughs> Tiffany, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. You're so inspiring. You guys, Let can we do a giveaway for the exact ones you gifted me? Yes. Okay, let's do a giveaway. She gave me the top four candles she thought I would love. All you have to do is follow your candle company. Tell us. At Aromasthesia, A-R-O-M-A-S-T-E. 
A-S-T-E-S-I-A. It's half aromatherapy and half anesthesia. Aromasthesia. It's such a cute name. And tell us your favorite part of this episode with Tiffany on my latest Instagram at Lauren Bostick. You can come back on. I'm also just going to put it out there that Tiffany Moon needs to be back on our screens. And you're not saying it. I am. I think it's going to happen. There are some discussions being had. I love when a housewife says that. There's discussions. (laughs) That means there's some serious discussions that we're going to get some juice with Bravo. It's not going to be on Bravo. Oh, okay. Shots fired. Okay. Ooh, I love it. You heard it here first. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Do you want to win some of Tiffany's incredible candles? All you have to do is tell us your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram at Lauren Bostick and stalk Tiffany on Instagram. Super easy to win. At Dear Media, we have them all over the office. The Rosé Champagne Special Edition candle is absolutely major. Go check them out. And with that, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by The Skinny Confidential. How fun. Okay, if you've not tried shaving your face, you got to try it. I've been doing it since I was in high school and I wanted to create a razor that did everything that I wanted it to do. One that I could reuse because I was sick of throwing away those cheapo razors. I wanted to create one that had refillable blades. So that's exactly what I set out to do with my team. And then of course we have a little thumbprint area, just like the ice roller. It's thick, it's silicone, it looks insane on your vanity and it has refillable blades. If you're not on board with shaving your face, you got to try it, okay? So men, they age a lot slower than women, and that's because they're constantly exfoliating their face with a razor. So what I like to do is I like to shave my entire face. You can go to my Instagram stories under razor, and you can see exactly what I mean. I obviously don't shave my eyebrows or my nose, really, but I shave my cheeks, my chin. I even shave above my upper lip and a little bit on my forehead. And it just allows your skincare products to penetrate deeper. Your makeup looks glowier and you're exfoliated. It's so youthful. We have a code for you. Of course, it's pink ice queen in all caps. That is pink ice queen for 15% off the entire TSC website. This excludes bundles. We don't do a lot of discounts, but we're doing one today. That is Pink Ice Queen for 15% off. Shopskinnyconfidential.com.